0: of IRL is one of the most important things we could spend our time talking about, and that's why we're taking the next two months. We're taking the next two months to talk about relationships. We're, we're going to spend these next two months. We're going to be talking about the relationships that you have with your parents. We're going to be talking about the relationships that you have with friends and siblings. We're gonna be talking about singleness and dating. We're gonna be talking about marriage. At the end of our series, at the end of our series, my wife and I are gonna be up here on stage and we are gonna answer your anonymous questions about sex, marriage, dating, relationships, anything that you guys wanna know to help you follow God better, we are gonna answer those questions. And so this next two months are gonna be amazing. And not only are they gonna be amazing because of what we're gonna be talking about, but they're gonna be amazing because of what you are gonna get to do after the message, I want everyone to hold up your takeaway card with me. You should have one of these takeaway cards. Can you guys hold these up with me real quick? Hold up your takeaway card and flap it around real quick, flap it around. Okay. Every single Wednesday night, every single Wednesday night, we are going to have a unique, specific takeaway for you to begin a challenge for that week or that month. Tonight, because we're talking about the most important relationship—the relationship that defines, shapes, transforms, and guides every other relationship—and that's our relationship with God. Tonight, at the end of our time together, I'm going to challenge you to commit to reading the Bible every single day. But each each week, each week, we're going to have a brand new takeaway for you. As well, uh, you have a letter on your you have a letter on your uh, chair. Can you guys hold up that letter for me, real quick? Hold up that letter. Okay. So, this letter is for your parents. Because of the nature of what we're gonna be talking about, we wanna make sure your parents are super informed about what we're talking about and um, how they can have conversations with you about this stuff. And so make sure you give this letter to your parents tonight. So without further ado, we're gonna jump in. And as we dive in, I wanna invite you to hold your hands open like this. Actually, you know what? No, 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 we're a family. We're a family, and we're a device dev- device. We're a diverse, amazing community. Will you grab hands with the people next to you, and will you grab hands across the aisle, grab hands across the aisle? I don't care that it's flu season. I'm just going to say it. I don't care that it's flu season. Grab hands. If you get sick in the Lord, that's fine. You're going to be fine. It builds your immunity. If your parents never taught you this, they spoiled you. It builds immunity. OK, Let me pray for us. But notice I'm not holding hands. so all right, let me pray. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, what a gift it is to be together. What a gift it is to be in the house of God with the people of God. And Lord, it was just such a beautiful experience for me personally just sitting and worshiping with my favorite people on the planet. Lord, I love what you're doing in this space. I love how you're changing our hearts. God, I ask that as we begin a two-month-long conversation about love in real life, like what love and relationships are supposed to look like, I pray you would free us. I pray, God, that over students and and people who have struggled in the different areas and topics that we're gonna be covering. I pray, Lord, that you would bring freedom and restoration, that you would bring hope, that you would bring inspiration. For those of us that have a past that we're not super stoked about, I pray, Lord, that you would remind us that you forgive us and that you have a beautiful future for us. And God, in in this season and in this time together, we ask that you would bind us together as a community and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. All right, hey, you got your sermon notes? We're gonna jump in. Hold on, whoa, 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 where are we at, okay? Chill, here we go, here we go, here we go. Here's the big idea, here's the big idea for our time together, here's the big idea for our time together, it's this. God, God knows you and wants you to know him, okay? God knows you God knows you and wants you to know him. Tonight as we're beginning our conversation about relationships, it's really critical that we begin talking about the reality that God is relational. And you see guys, this is a critically important definition and description for you to understand about God because if you think he's anything less than relational or if you prioritize anything else above the fact that he is a relational being, you will miss out on the personal relationship that he wants with you. It is so incredibly important that you understand that God is relational. I wanna jump us into a passage. It's one of my favorite passages. We've talked about it before, but we're gonna find ourselves in John chapter one. In John chapter one, beginning in verse one, the gospel writer, he's beginning to tell his story about Jesus. And what's so interesting is that as he begins to tell his story about Jesus, he draws it all the way back to the very beginning of creation. And at that moment, at that very beginning of creation, John tells us something important, something profound, something very theological about the nature of God. And it's that God is primarily relational. It's that the way in which God exists is relationships. Check it out in John chapter one. It says it this way. In the beginning was the word and the word was, what does it say? Can anybody read? I mean, can we read? It says, let's try this again, you guys. like Charlie does better. Okay, here we go. In the beginning was the word and the word was with, with with God. See, John John is recalling Genesis chapter one where it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But the way in which John wants to package the story of Jesus coming into the world begins with this reality that God was both Jesus and that Jesus was with God. See, it's it's hinting at the Trinity here. It's hinting at that God wants us to understand Him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that these three have a witness, they have a unity, they have a togetherness that make them God. That they are intimately connected with each other. From the very beginning, God says, I want my people to understand that I am a relational being, and the way in which I want to engage with them is through relationships. And so every time you read in the scriptures where it says God commanded his people to do this, he wasn't just giving them sort of rote commands or he wasn't just trying to force them into something. He was doing it in the context of a relationship because he wanted them to flourish, because he wants you to thrive and because he ultimately wants you to be with him. Because you see from the very beginning, God wants to know you and he wants you to know him. it continues, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Okay, this is so key. These four words, in him was life. That the way the scriptures talk about Jesus is not that he was a, just a great teacher, that he had some awesome ideas, or that he was a healer, that he you know, j- jumped around and, and did some cool things for people. No, the way the scriptures describe it is that in Jesus was life. Like, like there is no actual real love, there is no real life outside of Jesus. And then check what happens. And that life was the light of all people. What John's describing is that Father, Son and Holy Spirit together are life. Their life at its deepest core, their life abundantly, their life eternal. And that God decided to share life with humanity. That when he created people, he gave us life, but that life is found in him. That life is found in a relationship with him. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jump down to verse 14. The word, which is Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This word dwelling literally means that Jesus set up shop on planet Earth. That he literally pitched a tent. That, that he set up his house and said, this is where I'm going to reside. That, that this life that is Jesus showed up on planet Earth and said, I'm here to be with my people. You see, the, the major difference between the story of Jesus And every other religion, every other religion. And I want you guys to remember this. I've shown some of you this before. Is that every other religion, every other religion is a story of you climbing the ladder. And once you get to the top of the ladder, once you do enough right things, once you're spiritual enough, once you read enough, once you pray enough, once you do these good works, that once you get up here and you show God that you're serious and you show God that you're worth his time, then God will choose to love you. That every other religion, whether it's through your good deeds, through your actions, through your prayers, through the things you avoid or whatever, you ultimately are on this journey of working your way up the ladder. And when you get to the top, God finally says to you, okay, now I love you. Okay, you've earned your way here. And and everything else in life works this way, right? I mean, as you study for tests and as you get good grades and you get opportunities to go to different colleges and you get other jobs, I mean, it is constantly a journey of climbing up the ladder and the higher you climb, the more rewards you get and we take that picture and we, we fix that on God and we say, that is who God is. That is what God is like. But then John, he says, no, no, no. That's what like people think God is like. That's not what God's like. He says that our God, Jesus, who had all the life in the world, who was in perfect relationship with God's self, that God chose to do something that no other religion talks about, that no other religion has. And it's our God looked down at a broken, hurting, bruised world. A world that didn't know up from down, a world that didn't know what relationships were all about, a world that thought, The purpose of other people was to use them and exploit them for their own purposes and their own goods. And God looked down at that world and he said, in me is life. True life and true relationships, true love. And so God climbed down the ladder and he made his dwelling among you and I. And he continues to do this all the time. You see, to follow Jesus, and maybe some of you don't follow Jesus right now, and we love you, and we're so glad you're here. And the first thing I want you to understand is that if you're not following Jesus right now, in order to be in a relationship with him, it's not about you climbing some ladder. It's not about you changing your life. It's not about you showing him how worthy you are and how lovely you are. He came down the ladder to meet you right where you're at. And then to love you and through relationship, to walk with you and to change you. You see, it's a totally different way of thinking about God. Most people say, well, I got to do enough things and when I get up there, God will love me. The story of Jesus, the most beautiful story in the world is of a God who left perfection, who left heaven, came down to planet earth to you and I because in him was life. And he wanted that life to be shared with all of us, with all of you. If you jump over to um, John chapter 10, just nine chapters over, John chapter 10, we see that that God is actually in in this amazing relationship with God's self. In, In John chapter 10, verse 15, it says this. Just as the Father knows me, this is Jesus speaking, he says, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. You see, Jesus was constantly talking about how his connection with the Father made all the difference in the world. You see, God is absolutely relational. And because God is absolutely relational, he created us to be relational beings. And it's the reason that oftentimes relational wounds hurt more than physical wounds. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, you you may have broken your leg or broken a bone or or stubbed your toe or or got a paper cut or something, and that hurts, and, and you really feel that. But the thing you will remember is the time that your friend betrayed you. When I was, um, it's like 20 years ago. 20 years ago. I've told some of you this story before. 20 years ago, I was in the fourth grade. I was in the fourth grade 20 years ago. I was nine years old. And I'm sitting in this class, and across from me, across from me is Brittany Muse. And I had never met Sarah yet, so Brittany Muse was the cutest girl around, okay? Like, I was just crazy about Brittany Muse. And I'm sitting across from Brittany Muse. And I remember every, like, every month our teacher would kind of move us around and we'd sit in different places and and i'm sitting across from britney muse and she's just beautiful and amazing as a fourth grader and and all of a sudden britney muse she starts like kicking my feet under the table and i'm like we're getting married we're getting married and miss mayflower is going to do the ceremony and my friends are going to be my little grooms dudes and i was like this is awesome and Brittany, like, was playing footsies, and then, and then one time, like, Brittany invited me over to her house. I hope she never watches this. Brittany invited me over to her house, and, and my mom came, and my mom drove me there. I wasn't embarrassed. It was awesome, right? My mom drove me there, and, and we jumped on her trampoline. And I was like, this is awesome. And sometimes we accidentally bumped into each other, and I got these goosebumps as a fourth grader, and I was like, this girl's awesome. She's everything. And so we're, like, we're jumping on trampolines and having so much fun. And I remember one time we, we were skating, uh, we, we, we rollerbladed. Does anyone rollerblade? Anyone ever remember rollerblading? I rollerbladed. And so we were rollerblading together. And, and I remember we got down to the bottom of our hill and, and Brittany said, Eric, I want you to close your eyes. <laughs> I know, I know. And so I closed my eyes. So I closed my eyes. And she said, she said, Eric, I want you to hold out your hands. I said, I don't even know what's gonna happen. This is awesome. And so I'm holding my hands out and I, I, was, I, I thought she was gonna hug me and kiss me as a fourth grader. I was like, this is gonna be great. And so I was holding my hands out and I remember like standing there on my blades like kind of like wobbling a little bit and I had like really weird shorts and high socks and um, tank top and I had spike tips and I was just like really cool. And so I was sitting there and my eyes were closed and I remember like kind of like puckering up a little bit and I was like, this is awesome, right? And then she went like this, she had like, without me noticing, she had grabbed like a bunch of dirt from the ground and she like dropped it in my hands. And I was like, what are those? What is that? What is that? Was that poop? What is that? You know? And, and then she goes, ha, ha, ha and just bladed it away, right? And I was like, I was like, Brittany, I love you. I love you. That's so awesome. Thank you for that gift. You know, that's just what girls do, I guess. Babe, I'm so sorry. I'm talking about another girl. And anyway, um, and so I had, so, but it was before BS, before Sarah. And, um, and so I, I put the dirt down and we were kind of skating. We were kind of skating together. And, and then I went back to school on Monday. And um, Miss Mayflower had mixed up the seats, right? And so Brittany and I weren't sitting across from each other anymore. And Brittany was sitting across from David Pike. And David Pike, David Pike was really strong and he was really big. And he was, he, he had like a, he didn't talk like, ah, like at that level, he was like a little lower, you know what I mean? It's almost a man. And so he's sitting there and David Pike, David Pike and Brittany Muse are sitting over here and I'm over here at this table and I look under the table and you know what I see? Freaking David and Brittany footsieing under the table. You guys, you guys, that was when I was nine years old. That's been 20 years 20 years, and I freaking hate David still. You know what I mean? Like, I, that that relational wound, that relational wound is real. And here's the thing here's the thing. I don't need to, I don't need to pull each one of you up and, and look for a good story because I know that every single one of you, every single one of you have a story somewhere of somebody who's hurt you, who's wounded you. And your thought, why, why is it that relational wounds oftentimes cut deeper and stay longer than physical wounds? It's because you were created by a relational God to have relational wholeness, to have relational intimacy, to be relationally connected. And when those connections of relationships are severed and broken people do broken things and hurt people hurt people, when that happens, when that happens, something in you dies. Something in you feels empty and broken because you were created by a relational God for relationships. And the last thing that we learned just about this idea that God is relational, is that we can trust this to be true. That God is always engaged, invested, concerned, interested in us. And because God is a relational God, because he doesn't just look out at people without any empathy or compassion or love, and some of some of you think, man, God is just totally indifferent because of the circumstances you're going through. God is indifferent. Scripture actually paints a picture of a God whose heart is breaking for what you're going through. A God who longs to be in intimacy and closeness with you. And so because God is a relational God, we know this to be true, that God is concerned, that he's invested, that he cares for what you are going through. You see, God wants us to not just understand him to be a relational being, but he wants us to have healthy and thriving relationships with him and others. But there's an enemy who wants the opposite. Find me in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 10, it says this, the thief, the enemy, Satan, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus said, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full." You remember that idea that he began with in chapter one, that in him was life, in Jesus is life. And that life is the light of all people, meant to be spread out to all people, meant for God to be in intimate relationships with all people, but there is an enemy that wants you to be void of relationships, to be disconnected. You see, the enemy wants you to isolate. The enemy wants you to run away. The enemy wants you to not trust. You know, some of you face this in your small groups. You jump into your small groups and and there's something on your heart, but you're going, you know what? I'm just not gonna share it. I'm just not gonna share it. And in those moments, I feel like the majority of the time, the enemy's winning. Because what God wants is for you to be vulnerable and open and honest and that through the relationships with your small groups and through your relationships with God, that he would work in your life, that he would change you, that he would heal you. That he would fix that which is broken, but you have to trust him. And you have to understand that there's an enemy that wants to rob and kill and steal and destroy every gift that God gives you. But that there is a God who wants you to have life and have it abundantly. Then Jesus says this, he says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. You see, Jesus compares, he says, he says, you gotta understand, there's, there's like me that's the good shepherd. I will lay down my life for the sheep. And he's talking about you and he's talking about me. Jesus says, I will lay down my life for the people. And, and there's, there's hired hands. There's people who pretend that they love. There's other, other stories of gods that pretend they know what love is all about, but those gods, those stories, ultimately those people are only interested in loving you as long as it's safe for them, as long as it's not inconvenient for them. And that once the wolf comes, they go running. You know, um, whenever our kids are like scared, like in the middle of the night, whenever they're scared, like I put on a front that I like am a great dad and I want it. You know, I'm, the, I'm just great with my kids. Here's the thing: in the middle of the night, when I'm tired and the and the kids are like crying out or or we Sarah and I think we hear a noise downstairs. Like I almost always try to send Sarah. I'm almost always trying to send her because I'm like I, I'm so terrified. Like I'm so terrified of going downstairs. And if I saw somebody and he was trying to rob me, I don't know what I would do. You know what I mean? Like I would just freak out. I would lose it. But this this picture that Jesus is saying is he's saying, you can count on me. You can rely on me. You can be certain that I will go all the way to death because I already have for you. That I will go as far as it takes to reach you. That I will go into the deepest places of your woundedness and your brokenness and your addiction and your sins and your habits. I will go all the way there with you. That if you're struggling with an addiction, that if if you're struggling with some past baggage, Jesus says, I will go all the way there with you. And I will lead you out of that because I love you. Because I want a relationship with you. Check out what it says next. Then the man runs because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, Jesus says again, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. In the Greek, this word to know is gnosko, gnosko. And in, in, a, in a first century, like kind of Greek culture, to know was something that you intellectually possessed. It was, I know the right answer, or I've, I've thought through this issue. But in the world Jesus is talking about, as, as, a, as a Jewish rabbi, when he says the word know, he's talking about the kind of know that you have with someone that you've shared experiences with the kind of knowing that comes through a relationship. And so when Jesus uses this analogy of him being the good shepherd and us being the sheep, he says, I don't just look at you over there and kind of watch you in your silliness or doing whatever you're doing. I look at you and I know you and I want you to know me at a deep experiential relational level. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And then our last big idea is verse 27. That our relationship with God grows when we prioritize him. Our relationship with God grows when we prioritize him. Verse 27 says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, I want to make this crystal clear. The kind of relationship that God wants to have with you is one where you hear his voice. And maybe some of you feel like, I've never heard his voice. I don't know what that looks like. Well, what's beautiful is he wrote you a giant book in all kinds of different genres to make it crystal clear to you that he loves you, that he's for you, and that he wants a relationship with you but God wants you to know his voice and then he wants you to follow him. You see, when when we choose to love Jesus and think like Jesus and act like Jesus, those kind of things only happen when we spend time with Jesus. So I wanna ask you students, do you know what the voice of God sounds like? Do you know the difference between when Jesus speaks or when your own desires speak? I I mean, are are you able to say, man, It's clear to me that this is what God is saying right now versus the lies of culture or the lies I'm feeling. How do we do that? By digging into Scripture. Um, I want to end with this story. There's a, a podcast that Sarah listens to. It's called God Centered Mom. It's awesome. None of you are probably interested, but maybe later. God Centered Mom. And it's an awesome podcast. And Sarah's always telling me about the really cool things that this this host is talking about. And one of the things that she was recently talking about was that before she ran this podcast, she was a speech therapist. And she would work with multiple families whose kids weren't able to hear and to try to help them to speak. And she would work with these families for a really long time. And eventually, they would get to a point where these kids would have a surgery that would allow them to hear for the very first time. And if any of you are into like watching like proposals on YouTube or like really sad things of like military people coming back, you know, or like bulletproof or waterproof or fireproof, whatever those things are, and you're like really into those like crying kind of experiences, you need to watch these on YouTube. You can find them all over the place. But this woman, this host, Heather, she would say how she would walk with these families and she would get to sit in the room and get to experience and witness that very first moment that these kids could hear. They'd come out of surgery and, and they would sit down and up to this point in their life, they had never heard a sound. She said that in the podcast that without fail and without ever coaching parents, parents would always say the exact same thing. The very first time they ever got to say anything to their kids they would say the exact same thing well there was one girl her name was lucy and her dad said this to her he looked at her and he said lucy it's daddy i love you lucy it's daddy i love you I think some of us because of just the brokenness and the pain that we experience we have become deaf we have become incapable of hearing the voice of God and sometimes when you're in that place you begin to become afraid because you're you're wondering man if I did hear the voice of God would he say to me I'm disappointed in you would he say to me I don't want anything to do with you would he say to me why have you been wasting all this time think what god wants to say to his people who oftentimes are deaf if we will quiet our hearts and if we will listen i think what he wants to say to you is your name he wants to tell you who you are he wants to call you his daughter or his son that you don't belong to that guy or that girl or that experience or whatever but that he wants to pull you out of that and tell you you are my daughter or you are my son And I am your God. I am your dad. I am your heavenly father. And I love you. See, the thing that that stops us from being vulnerable is that we're afraid that when God fully knows us, he will say, I do not want you. And maybe you've experienced that with a relationship where you were fully known in a relationship and then you experience someone saying to you, I don't want you. What you need to understand about God is that God already fully knows you and he looks at you and he says, I want you. And so as we jump into this long relationship series about friends and parents and family and the hooking up culture and dating and singleness and marriage and sex, we gotta start with a view of God that is accurate, a view where we understand that God is relational, that he knows us and he wants us to know him, that he wants us to know his voice, to be able to call out and, and notice, and that is God speaking. And then lastly, he wants us to follow. And so what I want you to do real quick is I want you to close your eyes. And if right now you're at a place where you feel like you've been deaf for a while, or maybe your whole life you've felt you've been deaf, and and this reality that God left heaven, came down the ladder to be in a relationship with you, that He wants to speak to you, and that He wants you to know His voice, and that He wants you to follow Him, is like hearing for the first time. And tonight, if you're at a place where you're saying, man, for the next two months, I'm gonna choose to listen to the voice of God. I'm gonna choose to tune out the distractions around me, but I'm gonna tune into this relational God who wants a relationship with me. What I want you to do with every eye closed is I want you to just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you. As a way of saying, God, I'm open to you. And maybe tonight for those of you that are here. Maybe this is your very first time doing this. And for the first time, you're saying, I'm done living in this deaf, broken world where I can't hear the voice of God, and I want to begin that relationship with God. If that's you tonight, and that's why you're raising your hands, I want you to come and tell me afterwards, and I want you to tell your small group leader. Or if for whatever reason, you're just saying, I could hear you at one point, and I haven't been able to hear you, and I'm ready to to listen to your voice because I know that you want me. I know that you know me. I wanna know you and I wanna follow you. And go ahead and raise your hand so I can just pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this community and these students. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. And I ask, Lord, that you would help all of us to dive deep into the reality that you wanna speak to us, that you know us and you want us to know you. And as we do this reading plan, as we jump into your story, God, I pray that you would wake us up. God, thank you that you're relational and you created us for a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said amen. amen.